chapter eight of the inimitable jeeves this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the inimitable jeeves by p g wodehouse chapter eight sir roderick comes to lunch i had met sir roderick glossop before of course but only when i was with honoria and there is something about honoria which makes almost anybody you meet in the same room seem sort of undersized and trivial by comparison i had never realized till this moment what an extraordinarily formidable old bird he was he had a pair of shaggy eyebrows which gave his eyes a piercing look which was not at all the sort of thing a fellow wanted to encounter on an empty stomach he was fairly tall and fairly broad and he had the most enormous head with practically no hair on it which made it seem bigger and much more like the dome of st paul's i suppose he must have taken about a nine or something in hats shows what a rotten thing it is to let your brain develop too much what ho what ho what ho i said trying to strike the genial note and then had a sudden feeling that that was just the sort of thing i had been warned not to say dash difficult it is to start things going properly on an occasion like this a fellow living in a london flat is so handicapped i mean to say if i had been the young squire greeting the visitor in the country i could have said welcome to meadow sweet hall or something zippy like that it sounds silly to say welcome to number six a crichton mansions berkeley street w i'm afraid i'm a little late he said as we sat down i was detained at my club by lord alastair hungerford the duke of ramfurland's son his grace he informed me had exhibited a renewal of the symptoms which have been causing the family so much concern i could not leave him immediately hence my unpunctuality which i trust has not discommoded you oh not at all so the duke is off his rock or what the expression which you use is not precisely the one i should have employed myself with reference to the head of perhaps the noblest family in england but there is no doubt that cerebral excitement does as you suggest exist in no small degree he sighed as well as he could with his mouth full of cutlet a profession like mine is a great strain a great strain must be sometimes i am appalled at what i see around me he stopped suddenly and sort of stiffened do you keep a cat mr worcester eh what cat no no cat i was conscious of a distinct impression that i had heard a cat mewing either in the room or very near to where we are sitting probably a taxi or something in the street i fear i do not follow you i mean to say taxis squawk you know rather like cats in a sort of way i had not observed the resemblance he said rather coldly have some lemon squash i said the conversation seemed to be getting rather difficult thank you half a glassful if i may the hell-brew appeared to buck him up for he resumed in a slightly more pawly manner i have a particular dislike for cats but i was saying oh yes sometimes i am positively appalled at what i see around me it is not only the cases which come under my professional notice painful as many of those are it is what i see as i go about london sometimes it seems to me that the whole world is mentally unbalanced this very morning for example a most singular and distressing occurrence took place as i was driving from my house to the club the day being clement 
i had instructed my chauffeur to open my landaulet and i was leaning back deriving no little pleasure from the sunshine when our progress was arrested in the middle of the thoroughfare by one of those blocks in the traffic which are inevitable in so congested a system as that of london i suppose i had been letting my mind wander a bit for when he stopped and took a sip of lemon squash i had a feeling that i was listening to a lecture and was expected to say something here here i said i beg your pardon nothing nothing you were saying the vehicles proceeding in the opposite direction had also been temporarily arrested but after a moment they were permitted to proceed i had fallen into a meditation when suddenly the most extraordinary thing took place my hat was snatched abruptly from my head and as i looked back i perceived it being waved in a kind of feverish triumph from the interior of a taxicab which even as i looked disappeared through a gap in the traffic and was lost to sight i didn't laugh but i distinctly heard a couple of my floating ribs part from their moorings under the strain must have been meant for a practical joke i said what this suggestion didn't seem to please the old boy i trust he said i am not deficient in an appreciation of the humorous but i confess that i am at a loss to detect anything akin to pleasantry in the outrage the action was beyond all question that of a mentally unbalanced subject these mental lesions may express themselves in almost any form the duke of ramphelin to whom i had occasion to allude just now is under the impression this is in the strictest confidence that he is a canary and his seizure to-day which so perturbed lord alastair was due to the fact that a careless footman had neglected to bring him his morning lump of sugar cases are common again of men waylaying women and cutting off portions of their hair it is from a branch of this latter form of mania that i should be disposed to imagine that my assailant was suffering i can only trust that he will be placed under proper control before he mr worcester there is a cat close at hand it is not in the street the mewing appears to come from the adjoining room this time i had to admit there was no doubt about it there was a distinct sound of mewing coming from the next room i punched the bell for jeeves who drifted in and stood waiting with an air of respectful devotion sir oh jeeves i said cats what about it are there any cats in the flat only the three in your bedroom sir what cats in his bedroom i heard sir roderick whisper in a kind of stricken way and his eyes hit me amidst ships like a couple of bullets what do you mean i said only the three in my bedroom the black one the tabby and the small lemon-coloured animal sir what on earth i charged round the table in the direction of the door unfortunately sir roderick had just decided to edge in that direction himself with the result that we collided in the doorway with a good deal of force and staggered out into the hall together he came smartly out of the clinch and grabbed an umbrella from the rack stand back he shouted waving it overhead stand back sir i am armed it seemed to me that the moment had come to be soothing awfully sorry i barged into you i said wouldn't have had it happen for worlds i was just dashing out to have a look into things he appeared a trifle reassured and lowered the umbrella but just then the most frightful shindy started in the bedroom it sounded as though all the cats in london assisted by delegates from outlying suburbs had got together to settle their differences once for all a sort of augmented orchestra of cats this noise is unendurable yelled sir roderick i cannot hear myself speak 
i fancy sir said jeeves respectfully that the animals may have become somewhat exhilarated as the result of having discovered the fish under mr worcester's bed the old boy tottered fish did i hear you rightly sir did you say that there was a fish under mr worcester's bed yes sir sir roderick gave a low moan and reached for his hat and stick you aren't going i said mr worcester i am going i prefer to spend my leisure time in less eccentric society but i say here i must come with you i'm sure the whole business can be explained jeeves my hat jeeves rallied round i took the hat from him and shoved it on my head good heavens beastly shock it was the bally thing it absolutely engulfed me if you know what i mean even as i was putting it on i got a sort of impression that it was a trifle roomy and no sooner had i let go of it than it settled down over my ears like a kind of extinguisher i say this isn't my hat it is my hat said sir roderick in about the coldest nastiest voice i'd ever heard the hat which was stolen from me this morning as i drove in my car but i suppose napoleon or somebody like that would have been equal to the situation but i'm bound to say it was too much for me i just stood there goggling in a sort of coma while the old boy lifted the hat off me and turned to jeeves i should be glad my ma'am he said if you would accompany me a few yards down the street i wish to ask you some questions very good sir here but i say i began but he left me standing he stalked out followed by jeeves and at that moment the row in the bedroom started again louder than ever i was about fed up with the whole thing i mean cats in your bedroom a bit thick what i didn't know how the dickens they had got in but i was jolly well resolved that they weren't going to stay picnicking there any longer i flung open the door i got a momentary flash of about a hundred and fifteen cats of all sizes and colours scrapping in the middle of the room and then they all shot past me with a rush and out of the front door and all that was left of the mob scene was the head of a whacking big fish lying on the carpet and staring up at me in a rather austere sort of way as if it wanted a written explanation and apology there was something about the thing's expression that absolutely chilled me and i withdrew on tiptoe and shut the door and as i did so i bumped into some one oh sorry he said i spun round it was the pink-faced chappie lord something or other the fellow i had met with claude and eustace i say he said apologetically awfully sorry to bother you but those weren't my cats i met just now legging it downstairs were they they looked like my cats they came out of my bedroom then they were my cats he said sadly oh dash it did you put cats in my bedroom your man what's-his-name did he rather decently said i could keep them there till my train went i'd just come to fetch them and now they've gone oh well it can't be helped i suppose i'll take the hat and the fish anyway i was beginning to dislike this chappie did you put that bally fish there too no that was eustace's the hat was claude's i sank limply into a chair i say you couldn't explain this could you i said the chappie gazed at me in mild surprise why don't you know all about it i say he blushed profusely why if you don't know about it i shouldn't wonder if the whole thing didn't seem rummy to you rummy is the word it was for the seekers you know the seekers rather a blood club you know up at oxford which your cousins and i are rather keen on getting into you have to pinch something you know to get elected some sort of a souvenir you know a policeman's helmet you know or a door-knocker or something you know the room's decorated with the things at the annual dinner and everybody makes speeches and all that sort of thing rather jolly well we wanted rather to make a sort of special effort and do the thing in style if you understand so we came up to london to see if we couldn't pick up something here that would be a bit out of the ordinary 
and we had the most amazing luck right from the start your cousin claude managed to collect a quite decent top-hat out of a passing car and your cousin eustace got away with a really goodish salmon or something from harrod's and i snaffled three excellent cats all in the first hour we were fearfully braced i can tell you and then the difficulty was to know where to park the things till our train went you look so beastly conspicuous you know tooling about london with a fish and a lot of cats and then eustace remembered you and we all came on here in a cab you were out but your man said it would be all right when we met you you were in such a hurry that we hadn't time to explain well i think i'll be taking the hat if you don't mind it's gone gone the fellow you pinched it from happened to be the man who was lunching here he took it away with him oh i say poor old claude will be upset well how about the goodish salmon or something would you care to view the remains he seemed all broken up when he saw the wreckage i doubt if the committee would accept that he said sadly there isn't a frightful lot of it left what the cats ate the rest he sighed deeply no cats no fish no hat we've had all our trouble for nothing i do call that hard and on top of that i say i hate to ask you but you couldn't lend me a tenner could you a tenner what for well the fact is i've got to pop round and bail claude and eustace out they've been arrested arrested yes you see what with the excitement of collaring the hat and the salmon or something added to the fact that we had rather a festive lunch they got a bit above themselves poor chaps and tried to pinch a motor lorry silly of course because i don't see how they could have got the thing to oxford and shown it to the committee still there wasn't any reasoning with them and when the driver started making a fuss there was a bit of a mix-up and claude and eustace are more or less languishing in vine street police station till i pop round and bail them out so if you could manage a tenner oh thanks that's fearfully good of you it would have been too bad to leave them there what i mean they're both such frightfully good chaps you know everybody likes them up at the varsity they're fearfully popular i bet they are i said when jeeves came back i was waiting for him on the mat i wanted speech with the blighter well i said sir roderick asked me a number of questions sir respecting your habits and mode of life to which i replied guardedly i don't care about that what i want to know is why you didn't explain the whole thing to him right at the start a word from you would have put everything clear yes sir now he's gone off thinking me a loony i should not be surprised from his conversation with me sir if some such idea had not entered his head i was just starting in to speak when the telephone bell rang jeeves answered it no madam mr worcester's not in no madam i do not know when he will return no madam he left no message yes madam i will inform him he put back the receiver mrs gregson sir aunt agatha i had been expecting it ever since the luncheon party had blown out a fuse her shadow had been hanging over me so to speak does she know already i gather that sir roderick has been speaking to her on the telephone sir and no wedding bells for me what jeeves coughed mrs gregson did not actually confide in me sir but i fancy that some such thing may have occurred she seemed decidedly agitated sir it's a rummy thing but i'd been so snootered by the old boy and the cats and the fish and the hat and the pink-faced chappie and all the rest of it that the bright side simply hadn't occurred to me till now by jove it was like a bawly weight rolling off my chest i gave a yelp of pure relief jeeves i said i believe you worked the whole thing sir i believe you had the jolly old situation in hand right from the start well sir spencer mrs gregson's butler who inadvertently chanced to overhear something of your conversation when you were lunching at the house did mention certain of the details to me and i confess that though it may be a liberty to say so i entertained hopes that something might occur to prevent the match i doubt if the young lady was entirely suitable to you sir 
and she would have shot you out on your ear five minutes after the ceremony yes sir spencer informed me that she had expressed some such intention mrs gregson wishes you to call upon her immediately sir she does eh what do you advise jeeves i think a trip abroad might prove enjoyable sir i shook my head she'd come after me not if you went far enough afield sir there are excellent boats leaving every wednesday and saturday for new york jeeves i said you are right as always book the tickets End of chapter eight